Welcome to an all new episode of What the Tech Just Happened. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and today Rob and I are sitting down and talking about how the remote workforce can better manage meetings with Cisco WebEx. As millions of us are home, in fact, actually, I think 75% of Americans now are currently at home, video conferencing platforms are exploding. And if you are anything like any of us, you are experiencing some of the worst meetings you have attended to date. Rob and I dig into today's episode covering what's happened with the CARE Act, as well as giving you our best tips and tricks to run a successful WebEx meeting. All this and more on today's episode of What the Tech Just Happened. Good morning, Rob. Hey, good morning, Penny. We're back for our second episode on Squadcast, which I'm actually super stoked about. That was not a plug at all. We've <laughs> <laughs> plugged them a few times. No, no more, more plugs, plugs for them. them. So you hear that, Squadcast. So a lot has happened. Uh, it's almost like we started this segment, What the Tech Just Happened, and we were finding general information that's out there. And now it has become what the tech just happened around COVID-19 and our new normal. As like I said in my intro, 75% of Americans are estimated to be home now. Many of them are working remotely. Yeah, it is crazy. And, you know, the the president delivered a, a pretty... Uh, important speech just yesterday and really kind of talked about the, the grave situation as it keeps escalating now and limit what the damages were going to be. And now the realization of just how long this is going to last and what the implications will be on the workforce. And we are all settling into that new normal. And what do we do from this point on? How are we going to continue being productive? Um, how are we going to limit what is happening economically mm-hmm. and you know what is the impact of the new care act that, that is yeah, just you know out. i i was reading a interesting article this morning it was obviously the economic impact of this has a lot of people concerned and thinking about the future and what the future holds for you know both their companies as well as employees that like us that work for companies and something that was semi comforting is the thought of going back to work right now if everyone were to just say you know what, uh, we'll handle this as it comes, we're reopening, we're going back to work, um, could actually have a far greater economic impact than if everyone just followed the rules and kind of took the guidance of their state and local officials and federal officials to just stay home. Because what could happen is everyone reopens business as usual, and then there becomes a potential resurgence of what's going on at a, a an astronomical rate more than it is today, which will hurt us economically far more than if we just get through this time period, tackle it the best we know how today, and then recover once it's safe to go back outside, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, it is tough because, I mean, you, you watch how that curve is going, and I don't want, we don't want to go down that, you know, we, right. we've got some really important things to talk about here. Um, but also, I just want to state right now, because we are talking topical things, that as you see that curve almost at a 90 degree I mean, they are trying desperately to level that curve, you know, like it has in China and Korea, but they've, they've done some pretty drastic things to level the curve, but we need to get to that point. And they, you know, the models are showing that we can get there 
but it's going to be a lot longer than what we anticipated. And it has to be by following the, the social distancing and the stay at home uh, laws that are coming down now. So it's real important. And you're right. If all of a sudden everybody ignored it and they started going back to work, the the implications of that, the economic economical implications of that are just far, far greater because that will spike. So stay at home, social distance, be responsible so that we can curve this thing together. And and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a village to make sure that we're all working together to get it. Right, right. And in, you know, in the meantime, I, I think uh, it was uh, the end of, correct me if I'm wrong here, the end of last week, early this week, that we really started to see all of the details for the CARE Act, which was passed, which for those of you who aren't familiar with the term of CARE Act, it is the $2 trillion stimulus package that was uh, just put through uh, recently. So, Rob, I think you, you know, have some high level uh, information on that, uh, how it's affecting um, small businesses, individuals to basically encourage people that there is uh, some sort of stopgap measures being put in place to protect you while you're following through with the social distancing best practices. Yeah, it's a very extensive act that went out. And this is kind of the first wave of what they're doing so that we can get through the first two to three months of the impact of COVID-19. So it's more of a quantitative easing that's going to be going on here. And they are trying to in- inject some liquidity into to the economy uh, so that people can survive. So that, like you said, it's a $2 trillion package and it comes in a lot of different forms. So there's going to be the individual relief that a lot of us will get. You know, if you're making $75,000 or under, you're going to get your $1,200. I think it's $2,400 for a married couple. And then it incrementally goes down to that until I, I'm not exactly sure the point that it you, you don't get any of the relief from it. But it's it's designed so that the folks that really, really need it um, are going to get some an influx of cash into their hands to get them through. That it, it, This is not by any means the remedy for right. it. It's to get you over a, a little bit of a hump. Uh, and then there's also a lot of loans that are going to be um, uh, uh, helping out a lot of the small businesses out there, as well as some of the larger corporations. And they've really kind of focused on uh, specific industries, too, for that. Uh, and again, the, the, the small business being one of the big uh, benefactors of it. Uh, some of the areas that got hit the most, I mean, you're looking at the oil and gas, you're looking at aerospace, air and travel, uh, insurance companies are getting hit bad. The banks, the mm-hmm. auto industry got hit. Uh, chemical and, and agriculture got hit. And of course, we know that that healthcare. So again, if you look at the, the CARE Act, it's designed to help a lot of those industries uh, in, in different ways. And uh, as Penny suggested, if you get an opportunity you know, there's not a whole lot more going on out there. You, we're not going to movies and, and stuff like that. So why don't you pick it up and just take a look at it. Educate yourself. I think it'll do you some good. Right. Literally, no one has the excuse anymore that they don't have time to do something. <laughs> you are no longer. It's like so, eliminated the busy excuse. You are no longer allowed to use a time limitation. You got time in your hand, guys. So in our industry, too, what we saw, again, there was a major influx. So it was the there was the mobilization of the remote workforce and everybody headed home. Um, we had talked about this in past podcasts, all the different parts of the technology that got hit. And we, we were really worried about bandwidth and there's, they're continuing to work on that. And then also anything that has to do with like data-driven models, it's impacting mm-hmm. that as well. They're looking at the collaboration tools and collaboration models. And of course, some of the other things that uh, people looking into now is anything with a single source of truth. Uh, and that's like your dashboards where you can go get all of your information in, in one area. So uh, 
a lot of companies are looking into all those different areas. And if they're looking for ways, if they're, you know, they want to really build themselves out and help themselves moving forward through this whole crisis, uh, again, take this CARES Act, the stimulus, some of these loans, and maybe invest it into that kind of technology to help your small business and your, your company through that. And so that's what today's episode is really about. It was kind of a long lead into that. Um, but it's, you know, talking more about those collaboration tools that we talked about and specifically um, talking about uh, Cisco's WebEx. And Penny is one of our local experts <laughs> on WebEx, which is awesome because we've been muddling with it a little bit in our company, or I'll speak for myself and I won't I was going to say, don't throw anyone under the bus here. (laughs) I already said in my intro, you may be attending some awful meetings lately. (laughs) And and I have posted a few and, uh, and somebody's like, you need to learn how to do that. And, you know, Penny said, I think I have a remedy for you. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to help you out with some tips and tricks. I am. So that is intro for you. And to talk about a little bit about WebEx and some of the cool things that people can do to help them through these. Um, okay, these so I will. I'm going to start this by saying, uh, first of all, what my use case is for WebEx. Of course, uh, as a company, we have Cisco WebEx as one of our platforms. We have it's an add-in in my Outlook. Those that are listening, even if you don't use it, I'm sure you are very familiar with it by name, uh, by any means. But Something that I found interesting is that um, in a survey I read, 89% of companies have multiple uh, video conferencing platforms or just general conferencing platforms. And we are no exception. <laughs> I think Absolutely. the last time we talked, we between the two of us, we had four different means to create a video conference. So that alone, I think, creates a little bit of confusion for people. Because uh, if you look back, if you, we kind of go back to we had we'd done an episode a while ago about about adoption. Actually, I think it was in our first podcast we did with Lane and Jamal when sort of we were at the the turning point of our new normal here where companies have had things like Cisco WebEx and Microsoft Teams and all of these other platforms in their environment but it was based on whoever wanted to adopt it and whoever wanted to use it there was really no need for it and no push to get people on platforms and so here we are today where now your workforce has to adopt all these platforms and high percentage of your employees have no idea what they're doing um, as a host or a participant so So I do, I think we've mentioned it before, Rob, I host a a WebEx every single Friday for um, our sales teams from our business solutions, public sector, um, federal, and even our enterprise team uh, is welcome to join as well. And I have bounced around two different platforms um, and usually always find my way back to Cisco. So this is not a paid podcast. This is truly my personal experience of using um, Cisco. Uh, And and I think that's why I would classify you as a power user and it's important to learn from power users because they know the it is and, and you know i'll say one thing i will say is uh you know cisco is very uh webex is very utilitarian so uh it's very basic it is easy to once you know where everything is it's really easy to navigate it there are some other platforms out there. Like I, I did see a really cool feature, and I think Rob, you showed this to me on Teams, where you can blur out your background. And I thought that was really cool. And I've been seeing Zoom, where you can like, so I saw someone turn themselves into a potato in a potato field. 
And I thought it was really cool. And all of those features are really cool, but it doesn't always guarantee that it is the best experience. It, and maybe it is, but it because it's all about how you run a meeting. So here's, I'm going to go over what I do every single Friday uh, and hopefully share some of my knowledge and share some of the lessons I've learned uh, on how to host a good meeting and how to host a bad meeting. So the first thing I would say is I choose to use my personal room with WebEx. So we have licensing. I have a personal room, which is usually like company name.webex slash penny.conway. And if you have a paid for license, that's a, a great option to use. I would imagine that's part of Cisco's free license option that they have coming up. But uh, there's other things like events. Um, you can have a, a large uh, event set up where you can get registrations and all of that kind of stuff. We'll tackle all that on another episode. I just want to talk about the personal room use for you to easily set up and run a meeting and have it be a good use of everybody's time. Because Rob, did you know, I'm going to pull out some stats for you. Did you know that on average, we have not we like as a whole people in companies have 62 meetings per month and 33.91% of those are considered a waste of time. <laughs> I didn't know the second stat. The first stat I probably knew only because uh, uh, those that are may or may not be familiar with WebEx, but it also um, there's metrics and insights that mm -hmm. you can pull that will show you the number of meetings you personally were involved with, how many you hosted. And uh, and I, 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 I pulled that up and I was like, are you kidding me? And now to hear that second stat, that's really It, it does. Sad. And I mean, that's not all platform. Sometimes people are just really bad about like, having a, and that should be another podcast, like how do you like know when to have a meeting and when it should be an email? Um, if you don't have the right people, you don't have an agenda. How to say no yeah. to meeting. <laughs> how to say no, just say no to meetings. We'll do that <laughs> on the next experience right. episode. <laughs> okay, so I use my personal room and browsers do matter uh, when it comes to using Cisco WebEx. So different browsers are going to give you a different experience. I'll give you a, a really good example. I use and, you know, shoot me if you want to. I use tried and true Internet Explorer for my WebEx experience. Uh, there, It works fine in Chrome, um, but you do need a Chrome, the Chrome extension in order to get all of the functionality that I'm going to talk about in my tips and tricks. So in Chrome, if you're just opening it up in a Chrome browser and you're hosting a meeting and you want to mute people or turn off, like, you know, the most irritating thing when people are joining a meeting and you keep hearing beep, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. Yes. Um, that is a surefire way to ruin a meeting <laughs> because then you know who's showing up 15 minutes late and who's leaving 15 minutes early. So in like in the Chrome browser, those functions are there, but I have actually found they don't stick. Um, so I think Chrome browser is a little bit of a beta. So you need the extension in order to get full functionality, which is why I just go through Internet Explorer. Not to mention, too, that when you are hosting a meeting and, you know, those bings are coming through, it's very disruptive for you and your your mm -hmm. thought process, mm -hmm. too. So it's going to interrupt that. The yeah. And like using, using edge, um, I don't notice too, too much difference, but I'll be honest. I'm not a huge edge fan altogether. So call me old school, but until internet Explorer officially dies, it is my, 
most of the time browser of choice for WebEx. Um, but you can also use the desktop application as well. Um, but I think for mobile users and, you know, people who are running um, multiple things at a time, sometimes the browser is just easier and it opens up automatically. So browsers matter. Know that if you're going to be in Chrome, you need to download the Chrome extension um, for WebEx. Um, or you can just use Internet Explorer and get all these great um, functions and features that I'm about to talk about right at your fingertips. So meeting setup. If you're using Outlook or whatever, you know, G Suite, whatever platform you're using, really easy to just copy and paste your personal meeting room as your meeting space in the invite. And if you have an Outlook, I'm going to tell you the difference between using your personal room and versus using your your add-in in Outlook where it says, uh, Rob, you know, when you go into your email and you can see add WebEx um, and then it just like populates all of that information. That's how That's I how, always do it. So you're saying. Well, you can. And so this, again, this is not a Cisco sponsored WebEx. This is Penny's personal WebEx use podcast. <laughs> um, here's what I find the difference between using that add-in to add a WebEx versus using your personal room is I have much better when people log into a WebEx and we want them to be on video and we want to make sure that they're if they're not dialing in through their computers and they're using a headset or dialing in, we want to have the best possible way for them to connect uh, their phone with their uh, login on WebEx. So when you log in, it will say Rob McIntosh. And then if you pick up your phone, you need to dial a number, put a passcode, and then your participant ID number, right? And that links you, your name with your browser, with your phone dial-in. And then that's considered a success. What happens when you use the add-in and you put it into the invite is it puts the phone number, it puts the meeting invite, there's no participant ID, and then there's the button to join. And more often than not, it will take a little bit longer for you to join in the WebEx then it will take for you to dial. So you're, you're dialing your phone while you're connecting through your browser and you put in your passcode and then it asks for your participant ID, but you're not yet in the meeting on your browser to grab your participant ID, which means you now have a dial-in, a call-in user number 36 and Rob Backintosh. So you're taking up two spots on that WebEx. Wow, okay. So, why I use my personal Roam is you don't have any of that information in the meeting. They have to open up the browser um, or the desktop application and then use the dial-in instructions there with the participant ID right there. So just... Okay. So, so those that are going to remain old school in their old workflow because for them to go in and try to find their personal room because it's not automatically attached to Outlook unless there's some kind of preference that allows you to do that. Is there... Is there a preference that will, so when you have your WebEx that's up on the Outlook, is there a way so that you can and um, pull it down so you're picking your personal room or do you actually have to go through the app? Uh, that? Oh, that's a good question. I think it, I, I think it generates a new code for a WebEx because it says do not add, change, or delete below this line um, and it doesn't create it until you send it. Um, so I don't, I don't think. If it does, I'll have to ask someone at, at Cisco because I'm not 100% sure. I usually just, I have my personal room, like I have it memorized, but I also have the, the WebEx desktop app where I can just copy it and paste it 
into the email and then that that's all they need but we should find out and if not we should suggest that suggest that as a feature for the outlook add-in yeah and and then so with those that are not going to use their personal room still do it the the other way i guess the suggestion would be is make sure that your participants know they they need to open up the webex first before dialing it that's tough yeah you're managing you're managing humans That's a, I love that tip. Um, Fantastic. So yeah, that's why I personally, like why I like to use my personal room and especially now, like I think it in another time, maybe this wasn't as important, but what it, where everyone's dialing in with their videos on, if you dial in with your video on and you are like, that's, it's recognizing you through a browser and then you dial in with your phone and it's not linked to your, your name. When you talk it's not going to show your video. It's going to show that Colin user 96 is talking, not Rob McIntosh is talking. So it it's a bad for, for people that are participating and you're there talking to them or you're contributing to the conversation. You're actually making it, one, you're taking up an extra seat. So my personal room has 200 seats. And if I have 100 people going into the the meeting and then calling in, I've got people taking up two seats per person and then that's no good. And then we were also talking about the, the metrics. So if you're somebody who really kind of wants to, at the mm-hmm. end of the year, see how many meetings you participated in and or how many people participate in your meeting, it's going to throw those metrics way off. It could be doubling, you know. the Exactly. The It'll make you look good, but you didn't actually talk to that many people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go, oh, I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, okay. So the, Getting the, you know, what uh, browser you're going to prefer to use, how to uh, pick which meeting space you're going to use personal or automated through an Outlook add-in. And now we get to actually setting, making it a good user experience. So those two things were for your own personal experience. Now, how do we make it better for people that are dialing in, whether they did it right or not? Two things I think I already mentioned that are what the two things that are really annoying and can ruin a video conference or any sort of online meeting is those beeps of entering and exiting. And then the second one is people who are not muting their lines. I heard the best comparison the other day, and this couldn't be more perfect, more perfect of a time to share it. They said that in the times we're in right now, not muting your line is the equivalent to accidentally replying all in an email. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. So So you do hope like, and we, you hear it all the time. Like when a meeting starts and you have people in the background, you hear people say, "Uh, can can everyone just do me a favor and mute your lines? Well, if they're doing the dishes, talking to their dog and carrying on another conversation and not listening to you, they're not going to hear you tell them to mute their lines. <laughs> it just is what it is. So we, we got the full instructions on how to make chili on a, on a meeting the other day. And <laughs> somebody reminded, uh, excuse me, you're not on mute. And I'm like, oh, my. Okay. <laughs> and then, of course, then the conversation proceeded to everybody oh wanted my the God. recipe. So. Very funny, but to your we, point, we should like we should do like a a listener submission. Like, what's the worst thing you've heard when someone wasn't on mute? I've I've heard a number. Oh, um, so here's it's super super easy. As as the person who is running this meeting, it is super easy to stop this from happening. 
when you are, if I'm, if you're using Internet Explorer like I am, you go up to the top of the screen where your menu bar is, and you just click Participants. And in the drop-down box, you are going to see two things: Entry and Exit Tone. You want to uncheck and mute all you want to check. Oh, and I'll add a bonus, mute upon entry. So as soon as someone logs in to your meeting, they are automatically muted. So mute all, mute on entry, and entry and exit tone off is what you need to remember. I have one word for that. Magical. Magical. (laughs) That's right. So Rob, you might be asking me the question, if I mute everybody and I ask a question, how can they answer me? <laughs> so when you're done, you just hit unmute. Uh, not all. even. People can unmute themselves. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So you can mute all. And then as they go and want to answer, you'll see the, the microphone's clicking off so yes. that they can talk. Yes. So uh, or that's I, in my experience, people have been able to unmute themselves on WebEx. Um, now, I got to that there's a lock, though, somehow, so that no matter so what. So there is. Can't. And that's where. That's where you're, why you don't use maybe a personal room. If you if you need the audience muted and you are not allowing an opportunity for them to talk, that's where you can use more of the enterprise licensing and run an actual uh, event, um, which mutes all. You can have moderators. You can have hosts to make sure. That's the mode that you have to be in. Yeah, events events mode. mode. So that's where if you're running not a, even my Friday morning meeting, uh, no one really talks besides me, but I always have the option for them to unmute themselves and talk if they want to. But if you are running a presentation to customers or partners or things like that, and you didn't want the audience to be able to speak, um, but you wanted to make sure you didn't mute your co-hosts or your other moderators, then do that through an events um, setup license uh, and you'll have much better luck. So again, we're talking about the personal meeting aspects uh, for this conversation. Even still, if you have everyone muted, and this is uh, what I take full advantage of on my Friday webcast, is I use the chat. We are chatting. Again, how many chat different chat things do we have? WebEx Teams, Slack, Skype, Microsoft Teams. There's a million chat applications out there that everyone's used to using. Um, people also text constantly. It's a natural function for them. So if you ask a question, ask them to chat the answer to you. And within WebEx, there's just a, on the same screen that you're on there, in the shortcut screen, you see like microphone, audio, all of your options. And then there's a little chat icon. You can just put in the chat, you know, let me know how you're feeling today, or let me know what you're thinking of this idea. And then people can either reply to everyone, or they can reply privately to you. Uh, even in your own meeting, people can have private conversations with other attendees that no one else can see but them. And I, I would say for WebEx, the chat function is so underutilized when you are doing any sort of presentation. Because wh- the thing I hate the absolute most is when you're listening to a presentation and someone says, does anybody have any questions? Yeah, you just experienced the uncomfortable silence that we all experience. <laughs> so use the chat, you know, say at the at the top of the meeting, you know, 
like you start chatting. If the host starts chatting first, everyone else will start chatting along with them. So as a host of a meeting, if you have content to share, if you want to share a link, if you read something, um, if you're referring to something, you want to share a podcast of on connection to experience, put all of that into the chat box. And that encourages your participants to also use the chat. You can't just expect them to go and chat on their own and know it's there without introducing it to them and showing them that you're using it as a tool as well. And the private chats work good too. So if you go into like a tile mode, you'll see a little mm-hmm. chat bubble that's on the, the pictures themselves and you yep. can click onto that. And all of a sudden you're into a, a private chat with that particular person. If you want to say, up, oh, you have you know, a pen smudge on your face and you on video, you might want to take that off. <laughs> <laughs> I can respond back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so the, 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 uh, last thing I'll say in terms of, uh, how to collaborate with your audience once you've made, made it so they can't all talk after using chats, another great feature. And again, way underutilized in WebEx because I am not tooting my own horn, but I've been on a lot of WebExes over the past four years. I am the only person that has ever used a poll in WebEx out of all of the WebEx meetings I've ever attended. And I don't think a lot of people even know it's there. So I actually started using the polling feature just to get an idea of how many people from each of our segments were attending. And it started with, you know, who's your sales director? And then it went to what division do you sit in? Are you a partner or distributor? So allowing my audience to, first of all, I can immediately see how many people are in because it's kind of hard to get a count when you're hosting a meeting. You just see all the names in alphabetical order. Starting a poll will immediately show me how many people are there, how many people have answered the poll, and how many people are still in progress of answering the poll. And there's tons of different ways. You can do uh, multiple choice. You can do um, single one answer, or that is multiple choice, but they can choose one answer. They can choose multiple answers. You can have short form answers so they can type in their own. And so there's a lot of, it's basic, but a lot of flexibility to it. So the questions I ask are, what division are you from? Did you sell any of X, Y, or Z this week? And then whatever my topic is for the day, I usually add two to three questions relating to that topic just to have them start thinking about what I'm going to be presenting on. So they're in that right frame of mind before I start my my segment. So, so, so this pops up when they mm-hmm. when they join. Is that correct? Is that something you send out can send out ahead of time? Is that a, a uh, possibility? No, it no? pops up with like I have to start the poll once the meeting uh, starts. So when I have um, I've done so many of like I started them February first of two thousand nineteen. So I've been doing it every Friday for over a year. So I have different polls that are saved, like my standard one and then some different fun ones that I can pull from as templates and just revise. Um, but it it starts as soon as they join. And this um very important because only people that are joined from a browser or desktop application will have visibility to the poll. People obviously just calling in and aren't view having a, a screen viewing experience won't be able to answer any of your poll questions. So just a, a good note there. 
Um, but yeah. polls also really help with um, not only after the fact information, but uh, to tell who's actually paying attention. Because um, if you have 198 people in your room and only 60 people answer a poll, uh, that's showing you that you have a real participation problem because they're not engaged in what you're saying or what your content is. Um, I won't say I have that problem. No. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Wow. I usually I usually have like 30 people out of like 160 that don't answer a, a poll, but probably because those people are dialing in and have a call in user 96 along with their name. So that is it, it's that's how easy it is. Like pick a browser, use your personal room, pick a browser um, that has the best functionality. For me, it's Internet Explorer. Um, make sure the meeting is set up correctly before your attendees start uh, dialing in by turning off entry and exit tones, muting upon entry, and then muting all lines. Engage your people in the chat box, share um, links and information that you're talking about, and then have a poll that can help catalog your um, attendees by, you know, what kind of participant they are, um, preview the content with them in that poll, and then you can download and share those poll results afterwards or just have them for yourself. But I, I do that every single week. And like I said, I've tried other platforms and I keep coming back to, to Cisco WebEx just because it is so utilitarian and easy for people to log in and join and participate. That's great. I'm, I'm going to throw out something else, too, that I think people might struggle with, including myself, maybe more me than anybody else. But it's uh, sharing your screen uh, and, and sharing content. And it for me, sometimes it gets a little confusing. So you have your, your toolbar that's down below. And then in the toolbar, you know, it has the share. And then all of a sudden you have a lot of options that come up of what you can share the program, you can share the screen. You know, somebody like me, I have seven screens. Now I have, I have two screens, but there's some people that have two, three, four screens that could be connected. It can get a little confusing. And when you're the person presenting and all of a sudden you need to share and you, you go, you know, it's, it gets a little nerve wracking because you're not picking the right thing. So do you have any tips and tricks as far as screen sharing goes? And also, and, and this has happened before too, if you are on a, a, a VPN um, or if you have something that is on the cloud uh, and it's a presentation, it happens to be a PowerPoint deck or whatever it is, you know, grab that and put it onto your local drive because it, there could be lag time or you just don't know you could lose connectivity on a particular segment of the B VPN. And that can really, if you're counting on that presentation, it can really mess things up. So, you know, that's my tip is make sure you take whatever you are and practice it ahead of time, put it onto your, your C drive, uh, open it up ahead of time as well. So it's ready to go, but then talk a little bit about the, yeah, the no, the I'm glad you brought that up because I don't do a ton of sharing. Um, it's just my face <laughs> for 30 minutes. So no, the, uh, definitely here's a, here's a worldwide tip for everyone. Uh, and WebEx, thank you so much for building this feature in when you select share content, it gives you the option, like Rob is saying, to share a screen. Usually the first thing that comes up is share screen one, share screen two, and it will show you what's on your screen so you know which one you're picking. But you can also share applications. And if anybody, I 
we could write a book taking all of our experiences from sharing our screen and someone chatting something to us or an email coming through or you forgetting that you have your screen being shared um, and having information, be it personal or private, um, I mean, or a company uh, out there in front of a wide audience. So while you can share your screen, I don't totally suggest it. I would suggest sharing by application. And so if you have, if you've taken that PowerPoint that's up on the cloud, you've downloaded it to your C drive or it's on your desktop, just click share PowerPoint and it will only share your PowerPoint application. And what if you have a number of PowerPoint presentations open? It's whichever Max. one is you pull up on your screen. So if you have three PowerPoints open, if you hit your PowerPoint icon and then you just select which one you want to use, if your whatever PowerPoint you're seeing is the PowerPoint your audience is going to see. Um, Got it. And there's a little um, just and this again a great feature that they put in. I want to say it probably came like about a year and a half ago. I noticed it is on whatever application you're sharing, it's going to have a little green and red um, icon up in the top right that says sharing in green and then stop in red. And so you can easily stop sharing if you need to very quickly rather than going like oh my God, I wasn't supposed to share this and how do I stop and <laughs> I'm going all crazy. But also on applications that you're not sharing, it'll have a blue and a gray icon in the same place. It will be blue, uh, share will be in blue and not share will be in gray, I think. But it, it kind of confirms, it's like that's, that uh, calming relief when you've got a chat application that maybe opens up on your PowerPoint, you can easily see, okay, that's not being shared. Um, so I can just move that off the screen or I can exit down or I've opened it up because I want to share some things in there that I want to share and I can just easily click the button and now I'm sharing that application. Sharing content is always tricky for everyone, but Rob, your point of download it, don't rely on the cloud, have it saved locally and have it open Absolutely. Like everyone should be following that advice. And give, give yourself at least five to 10 minutes before your meeting starts mm -hmm. to prep all this stuff, because if you think that uh, problems don't occur a minute or two before you are sadly mistaken. And you will find that out very quickly. Your first important meeting when you have leadership in front of you and you thought you gave yourself enough time and you didn't. So get there before anybody else be ready to go. It's an awesome thing when people are logging into your meeting and they log in and they see your presentation is already up with maybe the welcome slide uh, and you're ready to go. And as people come in, you can say, Hey, welcome. And you can have some of that small talk as, as other people are joining, you know, that's, that's kind of the, um, you know, when people are starting going into a regular meeting room, you're trying to give that, that virtual meeting, you're trying to give it that, um, face-to-face -face feel. And that's another way right. of doing it. So great tips, Penny. I love this. Yeah. this is a I, <laughs> I, I like Webex a lot. And I, uh, same thing as I open up when I'm hosting a meeting, I open it up usually on fr my Friday meeting, not every meeting, cause it'd be impossible, but I open it up 15 minutes early. Cause when you are using a personal room, you have to like, people will wait in a lobby for you. So I try to open that up 15 minutes beforehand so people can log in, get settled, make sure that they're dialed in. And then I, click, you know, I can see everything going on to make sure that they're not having any issues. I'll put in the chat, you know, 
good morning. Here's what we're covering today. And then right at 11 o'clock when I start camera and sound go on and we're on our, we're off to the races, make it a good experience for everyone and just learn how to use the platform that you're planning on using. Because I was on a call this morning. Uh, We didn't get started until quarter after because the platform was kind of clunky. No one could get in. Um, And I know everyone's experiencing issues uh, with the bandwidth and everything, but if you have, if you host one or two meetings and people say this is awful or you're starting 15 minutes late, you need to invest the time to learn how to use the platform you're on or find another platform that's more user friendly, uh, just to be blunt. Right. I'm starting to become a user of Microsoft Teams and I'm finding a lot of really cool functions within Teams too. I would love, uh, maybe not our next episode, but, uh, or potentially our next episode, I would love to get a power user of Teams. Uh, to come on and do exactly what you just did for WebEx to do it with Teams. And then any of the other collaboration tools, if there's people out there listening and they are power users, uh, we welcome you to come on on as a guest and and teach because we're not, you know, these aren't, we're not here making money and getting partners to to promote this. We're really truly thinking about you guys as the users of this technology uh, to benefit from some of our inside knowledge here. So um, if there is a particular favorite platform that you guys use and you would love us to do some tips and tricks on that uh, on a podcast, let us know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, I won't, maybe I'll become a super user of everything by the time this is over. Who knows? <laughs> I got, I got, yeah, app, I got video conferencing apps flying at me left and right these days. <laughs> We're going to have people reaching out to us and saying, Hey, we want you guys to review this and <laughs> be giving us free downloads. Yeah, actually, <laughs> since you mentioned free downloads, it's probably a good place for us to uh, start wrapping here. And I don't mean like wrapping, wrapping. <laughs> Um, But there is a, in the show notes, we're going to link to um, an excellent blog that uh, our content creator, uh, Chelsea Blackstone, um, wrote where she really aggregated all of the current um, offers out there from collaboration partners like Cisco, uh, LogMeIn, Google, Jamf, LifeSize, Microsoft, as well as some security uh, practices, uh, Mimecast, Nutanix, Trend Micro. A lot of these partners have uh, 90-day licenses or six-month licenses um, or extending out to a certain date in June or September. Um, and a great opportunity if you are one of those 86% of companies with multiple platforms, you might not need these free offers. But for those of you who are trying to evaluate your new way of doing business and how to introduce a new video conferencing platform, this could be a great way for you to trial um, during this period to see what the best uh, platform is for your company. So we'll link to that and uh, definitely take advantage and reach out to your connection account manager to uh, take advantage of those license opportunities. And then I know, Penny, you said that you were going to try to do a little demo for us because I know it's hard sometimes on podcasts. We're trying to tell you where to click onto things. And it's always nice to have that reinforcement with some type of a video. So um, are, are you still committing to maybe put together a little bit of a demo for us? And uh, we'll provide a link. I to am that now, demo. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I will do a uh, a quick five, you know, less than five minute tutorial on how to set up your meeting when you're in there, how to create a poll. And we will uh, share that in the show notes. Uh, so you guys can get a just a quick like, okay, here's when I log in, I click this, I click here, I click there, and I'm good to go. Yeah, definitely. I'll provide that for you. 
Oh, that's great. And we'll post that either on our YouTube channel or our Vimeo channel or and or both. And then you guys can click onto the link and uh, take a look at that. But that'll be provided in the Excellent. podcast as well. Uh, so I think that successfully wraps up uh, today's episode of What the Tech Just Happened. Uh, we briefly covered the CARES Act. Care, care, Rob, is it CARE or CARES? CARES Act. I think it's CARES Act. Uh, yes. we, we covered briefly the CARES Act. And uh, just really, I would in, invite you to go out. Uh, Forbes has a great article on a uh, breakdown of what the CARES Act includes um, for you personally and uh, for your corporations out there. Take advantage of what is being offered uh, to help you during this time um, from a, a federal, state, and local standpoint, as well as take advantage of different collaboration and security platforms uh, to get you through this time. And should you choose Cisco WebEx or you already are using Cisco WebEx, um, I hope you guys found these tips helpful um, and the video that will be coming uh, to give you a visual of how to implement all of these tips and tricks. Um, I think that's it, Rob. That's awesome. You did a great awesome. job. Thank uh, you. Oh, and whatever platform you are listening on today, please like, share, and follow us. Feel free to leave us a comment about how you liked today's episode. And if you are a super user of any collaboration platform, email us at podcast at <laughs> And also visit our website at connection.com and on the, the front page, a little box there about remote collaboration. Go on there. We have a lot of offers from our partners, uh, free offers to help you guys through this time too. So please make sure you check that Thanks out. Thanks so much for joining, Rob. Till next Til time next and time. please stay safe.